Bow with me, please. But dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for everybody that you've brought here today. And Lord, we just come to, to lift up our needs to you today. There are many people who need you. Uh, God, I just pray that you would be with all of those who have contracted COVID right now, especially the people who are suffering. Lord, we just ask that you would bring them through this sickness, give them health again, keep your hand over that situation. Lord, we pray for all of those who uh, have cancer, all of those needs on the list. Uh, we don't know what all of them are, but Lord, you do. And we just ask that you would be with each and every one of them. Uh, Lord, we praise you for all of the praises that we've heard today. We thank you for all the many blessings that you've given to us. As we come to your word today, Lord, we just ask that you would guide us and help us to understand. Give us soft hearts and open minds that we might take your word today, take something away from it, Lord, that we would benefit from being here. I ask all these things in your son's precious name. Amen. All right, guys, if you want to get ahead of the game a little bit, our main text today is going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to head over that way. Uh, I'm going to take a minute just to introduce myself to those of you that don't know me. Uh, I'm Hunter DeLargy. I'm a member of this church. I went to youth here, graduated high school here. I was baptized and saved here. Uh, I've, uh, in the Lord's providence, been gone for a couple years, just recently came back. During those couple years, I've had lots of opportunities to preach in churches all over the area, teach Bible studies all over. I've been in every youth group and church and devotional and group gathering that you can imagine. God has blessed me greatly while I've been gone. And the Lord has recently brought me and my wife, Jordan, back to, back to this church. We're happy to be here. We've been blessed since we've come back. And uh, I just hope that you guys are blessed by the lesson that we have today. I've got something... Uh, Something I think should be helpful for everybody. I think we're going to get something out of our time that we spend together today. Uh, I've never had the opportunity to preach to my home church. This is the first time I've ever talked to you guys. I, I thank Brother Josh for texting me, asking me if I would come up here and do this. I'm, I'm very thankful for the opportunity. I'm glad to be here, guys. So if you would, turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 2. And if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word. The first verses we're going to read, we're going to start in verse 8. So the Apostle Paul speaking here says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. All right, guys, so what we're going to be talking about today, you, you may be seated, we're going to talk about salvation. Uh, and I know that this is a Wednesday night crowd. I know that most of you are probably believers. I understand that. I understand that uh, most of what we're going to talk about today is probably going to be a review for you. You've probably heard it before. Uh, but we're going to go straight through these verses. We're going to talk about grace. We're going to talk about faith. And we're going to talk about works. Uh, and especially today, we're going to talk about how those things relate to each other, how they relate to salvation. Uh, in spite of the fact that this is a Wednesday night crowd, I know most of you guys are probably saved. I think this is the best thing for us to talk about. I know this is the basics, it's the fundamentals, but uh, for two reasons, I think that this is the subject we need to hit on today. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about is that we need the basics. We need the fundamentals. You, you never get so mature in Christ that you can't talk about the gospel, that you can't talk about salvation being in Christ. Uh, and beyond that, uh, if you get one opportunity to talk to a group 
uh, you're pretty much obliged to talk about salvation. That, that's the best thing we've got, right? That's the crown jewel of the Christian faith. Uh, I want to talk about the crown jewel today, the very best of the very best. Uh, what we're going to be talking about, uh, first we're going to uh, address the grace of God. But before we do that, I want to lay a little bit of foundation before we get to these verses, just kind of help them to make a little bit more sense in context. Uh, we'll go through each of those verses, and then, since this is a Bible study technically, not a sermon, at the end we'll have time. If anybody has any questions, if anybody has any comments, anything they'd like to add, you'll have an opportunity to do that at the end. All right. So first I want to talk a little bit about uh, what is salvation. Why does that matter? Why do we talk about that all the time? Uh, what does that word even mean? Uh, we're going back to the very beginning here. Salvation uh, from what? Uh, why is this something that needs to be addressed so bad? Salvation means to be delivered or rescued from something. Uh, it implies that there's something to be saved from. That there's something, you're in some sort of danger, you're in a situation where you need to be delivered from some kind of trouble. Uh, it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be salvation from sin and death like we usually talk about in church. It can apply to anything, but that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're talking about being saved or delivered uh, from sin and death. And before we talk about that, we have to talk about what is sin. Uh, why does that matter? Sin, the Bible tells us, is lawlessness. It's transgressing God's law. It's doing anything that doesn't come from faith. Anything else. Anything you do, anything you don't do that you should do, anything that separates you from God in any way is sin. Sin has consequences. It's something that it doesn't just come and go away and we forget it forever. The reality of the situation is that our relationships are affected by sin. Is that something that matches your experience? Has the sin in your life ever affected the relationships with your family, your friends, fellow believers? Well, sin affects your relationship with God as well. There are consequences to sin. I think that we all know and understand that if humanity wasn't sinful, there'd be no need for salvation. If Adam and Eve had never ate the fruit, we wouldn't need to be saved. Uh, but they have. That's not the situation that we find ourselves in. The main consequences that have to be addressed when it comes to sin are two. They're death and separation from God. In Genesis chapter 3, there were several things that were done to Adam and Eve. There were several consequences. But the two biggest ones were that they died afterwards. Death came to the human race. And then what else happened? They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They were separated from God. They didn't have that pure communion that they once had with God. We see that in the rest of the Bible as well. You can think about Israel in the Old Testament. Uh, what happened when they fell into sin? Eventually they were removed from the promised land. That, that sin separated them from the blessings that God had for them. Uh, ultimately for us today, sin separates us from God. And if it is not repented of, it will separate us from God forever. I'll read you a verse real quick. This is 2 Thessalonians 1.9. It says that those who obey not the gospel shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. The Lord is the source of all good, everything, all love, all grace, everything you can imagine. Sin ultimately leads us to a place where we are totally cut off from that and cut off from it forever. Uh, we're in a situation where we need salvation. Uh, there's nothing, nothing good for somebody that's totally been separated from God. There's nothing but wrath and suffering, nothing but misery and hopelessness. 
God is the source of all of those things. We can't have that separation between us. Uh, Oftentimes, whenever you bring this subject up, we have some very poor, insufficient ways of dealing with that sin ourselves. Uh, We don't immediately want to say, well, what has God done about the situation? We want to say, well, maybe there's something I can do about it. Even if this sin thing is a problem, maybe there's something I can do about it. Right? It's real simple. You just don't eat the fruit, right? There's nothing complicated about that. Well, it's not so simple. Uh, The Bible doesn't give us that option. It says all have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. The death has come to all men because all have sinned. Uh, Being a man without sin or a woman without sin is not an option that God's left on the table. Uh, You are sinful. You do need a Savior. The purest, most holy, most godly person that you have ever seen in your life is a sinner in need of a Savior. There is no, I'm basically a good person. There's no, I'm basically good enough. Uh, The wages of sin is death. That's Romans 6.23. And the reality is that that comes to all of us. It affects all of us. There's no, uh, this is a problem for me, but not for you. This is something that we all need a solution for. Uh, It threatens us. There is no greater situation that we could possibly need salvation from uh, than the, the reality of being eternally separated from God. Uh, and that's where we come to our verses today. We see that God has done something about this situation. We see that God's given us His grace. In verse 8 it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. Uh, grace is amazing. Grace is what makes salvation amazing. What makes grace so amazing is that it's been given to you. For by grace have you been saved. Salvation has come to you, that person that uh, is not walking with God, that person that's living in sin, uh, that person that doesn't deserve the blessings that's come to them. It's by grace. That means that it's a gift. We are in this situation that we need a way out of, and God has given a gift for us to to accept, to get out of the situation that we're in. Going on from there, it says that it's not of ourselves. Guys, do you think it's very gracious or very loving to give somebody what they deserve? That's kind of, that's kind of what you're supposed to do, isn't it? I mean, that's good, I guess, but uh, there's nothing gracious and loving about that. Uh, is it merciful to pay your workers their wages? Well, no, you're obligated to pay your workers their wages. That's not something that's a virtue. That's not something you've done that's gracious or commendable. That's not what God has done. It is gracious to seek and to save those that were lost instead of found. It is gracious to go after uh, not the righteous but the sinners and to bring them to repentance. What makes grace amazing and what is amazing about salvation is that God has brought it to people that have no right, no claim to it. And we're going to keep coming back to that day. That is the theme of these verses. He has given us something that we have done nothing to deserve. That it started with Him before it came to us. Uh, it is all by grace. God gets all of the glory. We'll talk about this in more detail later. Beginning to end. The Bible says that we can do nothing apart from Christ. Nothing. Uh, it is all of Him. The good news that we preach. The good news that Brother John or Brother Josh, or Brother Seth, stand up here and preach every week is the good news of God's grace. That's what this faith is about, that God has done something. He's given us an amazing gift. 
And I want you to notice the order in these verses. The order is very important. Grace, faith, works. Grace is first. Grace is the one that comes first out of those three. I think that we've got another passage, if you will, turn with me to John chapter 6, where this is laid out very clearly for us. It's spelled out by Jesus in a way that none of us could miss. It's going to be John chapter 6 and verse 44. All right, John 6, 44. Jesus talking, he says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So no man can come unless the Father draws him. I want you to notice about that verse. He doesn't say that no man comes unless the Father draws him. He says no man even can come. He wouldn't even think to come. He wouldn't come unless the Father draw him. Grace comes before faith. God is the initiator. God's the one that came to us. We weren't the ones that were seeking Him. We were the ones running from Him. God is the one that came after us and found us. We were helpless. There's nothing we can do. Uh, Even with Christ dying on the cross, if the Father hadn't drawn us, it wouldn't have affected any of us. We would not have come. That's what this verse says. Uh, We had nothing to offer. There was nothing we could do. We were dead in trespasses and sins. And God still so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Uh, He didn't do that while we were in a state of friendship with Him. We were in rebellion. We were living a life apart from Him. Uh, We were unreconciled people that weren't seeking to be reconciled. It's not that we came to God and He gave us away. God gave us away and then we came to Him after He drew us to Him. God is the initiator. Everything comes from Him. All of salvation is from Him. Uh, It's not our good works. It's not our good will. Uh, This is so important. It touches so many areas. You could preach entire sermons on this. Salvation by grace touches so many areas in our lives. And not just the way that you think, not just the way that we preach, the way that we live. Uh, This is incredibly, incredibly powerful, practical doctrine. We have nothing to boast of. Nothing. Christianity is the only religion in the world where you have nothing to boast of in your salvation. You haven't done anything. Christ is the one that accomplished your salvation. We haven't contributed anything to the situation. Nothing that I did made me more worthy than than James or Josh or Jordan or anyone else. God has sought us out even though we weren't worthy. Our strength and virtue weren't sufficient. God's grace was sufficient. God's grace is what brought us to Him. I mean, what thankfulness and praise we should offer to a God that saved us in spite of all of that. Uh, He didn't need us. He didn't need me. He didn't need any of the other preachers that have preached from this pulpit. God came and saved us in spite of that. I mean, the thankfulness, the prayer, every day, this should be talked about all the time. God's grace is amazing. God's grace has made a difference in the world. God's grace should affect how we live. Uh, Beyond that, God's Salvation being gracious means we can offer this to anyone. I mean, do you understand that? You can look at the people that Jesus preached to. You look at the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery. He didn't go around and find the most religious, law-abiding person in town. God's grace can save anyone. He can, No matter how far away you are, God's grace can pull you back. 
Amazing Grace is not just a song. Grace is really amazing. And that song will start to resonate with you when you realize that. Uh, Everything from beginning to end. If you remember nothing else today, everything about our salvation, everything that we have, everything that we should be thankful for, all goes back to Him. Just in salvation, the Bible says our election is from grace. Our calling is from grace. Our justification is from grace. Our faith, our forgiveness, our being built up, it all goes back to Him. That's all His work. That's all His doing. Uh, beyond that, uh, we should praise Him constantly for it. Uh, nothing. I, I can't think of anything else that could bring you to a, a more thankful, praising, worshiping, God-honoring spirit than that. Uh, and beyond that, something that goes right along with salvation being my grace, salvation is through faith. That's what it says. That's our, our next part of our verse. Uh, and all that's great. The grace of God is amazing. Uh, but it doesn't do us any good if we don't know how to get any of that. Right? If we don't know how that could be applied to us, well, we need to know how do we access that. Uh, how, how do we get the benefits of what Christ has earned for us? Well, I want to tell you in just defining what faith is. If grace is the gift that God has given us, faith is the hand that receives that gift that He's given us. It's that right response to the gospel of Jesus Christ that's trusting Him totally for your salvation. It's how you become a faithful follower of His. Uh, And again, I think we can notice the order. The order is important. Grace first, faith second, works third. Faith is how we access salvation. Faith is the hand that's sticking out to receive the gift that God has given us. Uh, That is preceded by the grace of God and followed uh, by works in His name. Mercy is offered us as a gift to be received, not as something we merit and work for. We can't get those last two confused. You don't want to say God's grace has come to us so we can work for our salvation and then we'll have faith. It's grace, faith, works. Uh, The Philippian jailer, uh, he asked the Apostle Paul, What must I do to be saved? And I think we have such a hard time keeping it as simple as the answer that Paul gave. Paul gave him one line. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's Acts 16, 31. That's the whole answer. That's all that he told him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Uh, Faith is absolutely necessary. Hebrews 11, 6 says, we cannot please God without faith. We're disciples of Christ. We're believers by nature. Uh, That's what we are. We trust Him with everything. We believe in God. We have faith in Christ. We trust His promises. We believe His Word. We trust His gospel for salvation, that He's died on the cross for us, that He was raised on the third day. We are believers. Uh, We trust Him uh, fully. That's what unites us to Him. That's what put us in a, a loving, caring relationship with the Savior of the world. Just as important as what faith is, is what it's not. I think there's a a lot of confusion around the issue of what exactly is faith. We know that we're supposed to tell people, you need to believe. You need to have faith. Look at what Christ has done for you. You need to believe. Uh, But we need to have a clear understanding of exactly what faith is. And that will take us to the next verse we're going to look at. We're going to go to the letter of James chapter 2, if you have your Bibles.
And I'm going to be looking at verse 19. James 2.19. Alright, James here says, Thou believest that there is one God. You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. You know what he's saying? James in James 2.19 is saying, uh, It's not enough to believe in God. Have you ever heard that before? I believe in God. Uh, that, that's not enough. That's not going to cut it. You know what, he, he goes even beyond that. He says, the demons believe that there's one God. And they tremble. Gosh, that's more than a lot of us do, right? That's not enough. The demons aren't going to be in heaven, obviously. So faith is a little bit more than just uh, believing that there's one God. It's a little bit more than just saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm convinced in my mind that Jesus is the Son of God or that he rose from the dead. It goes a little bit beyond that. Uh, it's not just intellectual assent. Faith will change your life. True belief, true trust will change you. It'll do things. You will never be the same. Uh, there's a commitment. There's a trust that goes beyond just knowing something to be true. Um, faith is something that we struggle with on a regular basis. I love one of these quotes from the Gospels. There's a man talking to Jesus, and he says, Lord, I believe... Help my unbelief. Right? He believed. But he looked to Jesus to help his unbelief. I mean, you can see right there him relying on the Savior. He didn't say, Lord, I believe. I'll, I'll drum up some more belief if you give me long enough here. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's something that we may struggle with. It's something that may be difficult. Uh, but the struggle's worth it. The reward is precious. It's more valuable than any tr earthly treasure you could ever find. Some scripture was written uh, specifically for us to believe. The book that Brother John is going through on Sundays, the Gospel of John, uh, this is a verse towards the end of it. It's John twenty thirty one says, These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. Uh, why do you think all, almost all new believers are directed to the Gospel of John? Well, why would that be? Also, that is impressive how fast you got that up there. That's, <laughs> that's just a side note. Uh, that's it right there. Uh, th this book has been written to give you faith, to attest to Jesus. All right. Uh, this is kind of salvation through faith is just as practical as salvation through grace. It's one of those things you could probably teach in, uh, you know, an entire lesson on here. Uh, I just want to hit a couple points, a couple practical ways that that matters to us. Uh, salvation by faith uh, gives you rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. Uh, he doesn't weigh you down. He's not trying to crush you through the ground. All that you have to do to be saved is accept the gift that God is offering to you. Uh, he blesses us endlessly uh, in, in ways that almost don't even make sense. All, all you can say is, wow, look at the amazing love and grace of God. Uh, it, another point, another practical point is that salvation by faith stops us from pursuing our own righteousness. Uh, and maybe this will be a good verse for this. Maybe it won't, but I love it, so I put it in here. We're gonna, uh, this story in Luke chapter 18. Uh, I'm sure that most of you have probably heard it before, but it's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. So Luke 18, starting in verse 10. 
and go into verse 14. Jesus talking here says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. All right. and uh, So he takes the glory completely away from the proud, the boaster, the one that says, Oh, God, thank you for making me better than the next guy. Uh, thank you for making me so good that I don't need grace. You know, I just follow the law so well I don't have to worry about that grace stuff. That, that publican, who I'm sure was probably not anywhere near the law keeper that Pharisee was, he's the one that went home justified. He's the one that said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, he's the one that took that salvation away from that experience. Uh, our faith should be with us all the time. As believers, we should live our lives in faith. We should pray in faith. We should move mountains and do things that seem impossible because that's what God says that we can do if we have faith. Uh, it's something that it may be tested. It may be hard to have faith sometimes. You may go through trials and difficulties, but it's worth it. It's worth it on the other side. We have to stand firm in all circumstances. We can't just profess with our mouth that we have faith. We have to truly have faith. We have to believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead and will be saved. And we should do our best to go and show others that faith that we have by how we live, which plays into our last point. We're going to talk about works now. Uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 uh, said, Let your light shine that, uh, that we would see your works and glorify your Father that's in heaven. We should be letting our light shine through our works to the world. Uh, here, back in our, our main text, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Uh, I really think this is where the wheels fall off for most of us here, right? I mean, we kind of understand grace, we kind of understand faith, but how? Uh, we know that you know every now and then a preacher talks about good works, but how does that... If salvation is by grace through faith, how do works fit in there? Uh, works are very important. But I think there's two ways that we can screw this up, and we need to avoid both of them. The first way is to take works as establishing our relationship with Christ. That's not what they do. Uh, that's not how works need to be treated. But the second way on the other end that we can fall off is to say that works are just irrelevant. The good thing is God doesn't care what we do. God only cares that we have faith. That, that's also unbiblical. And I think Paul keeps us away from both of those perspectives here. Uh, works can't take the place of faith. Faith comes second. Faith is what establishes your relationship with God. The work that Christ has done is what establishes that. Salvation is not by works, but it is unto works. I've heard Brother John say you don't work for your salvation, you work from your salvation. That, that's sort of the same idea. Uh, works have a very, very important role. They just come after the fact. Uh, they're the fruit, the evidence, the result. Uh, they come from God working in us to transform us, renew us, mature us. 
Uh, him working in us, strengthening us, leads us to do good works. Uh, I, I would, uh, I'd like to give you at least some examples. I don't just want to say good works and nobody understand what those are. And if you go back just a couple pages, uh, Galatians five twenty two and 23, Paul gives us a list. You want to know what, what do good works look like? What, what are the works, the fruit that God wants to see in my life? Uh, he gives them to us right here. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So as a believer, these fruits should be evident in our lives. People should see those. People should be able to know that we have a relationship in Christ by the way that we live. Uh, we should be loving, joyful, temperate. Uh, again, we see how important God's grace is. Even when we're talking about works, those weren't the fruit of my goodness. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. Those are the results of the work of the Spirit. He's the one that's working in me to change me. It's not something that you have to do on your own, that, that you get saved and then after that, well, you know, maybe you make it and maybe you don't. God brings you all the way to the end. God is with you every step of the way. Uh, but these things aren't what make us right before God. Works are good. The Bible constantly, I mean, read the book of Titus. It's three chapters and see how many times he tells us to do good works. We just can't take good works and replace grace and faith with them. We've got to put them in the right context. Paul tells us that the law is good if it's used lawfully. And we need to use it lawfully. But we can't establish our relationship with God on the basis of it. And I want to look at one more passage real quick. Uh, in Romans chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, where Paul addresses the same issue. Starting in verse 19, he says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the law sh there shall be no flesh justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So there's no salvation by law, by works, obviously. Paul goes even further than that. He says that's not even what the law is for. Uh, that, that's not what this has been given to you for. It's been given to you so that you humble yourself, that you close your mouth, and that you understand how sinful you are. Uh, it's a mirror. It's a standard that you can see your imperfections, your flaws, where you come short. It doesn't do that to drive you to despair. It does that to show you how gracious and loving our God is that has come and saved us anyway by the fact that we don't keep the law. We aren't going to be justified by our works. But God justifies us anyway. After that, the whole next paragraph is talking about the righteousness that comes apart from the law. We're not trying to pile up good deeds until we get to heaven. Uh, but the law leads us to the Savior. That's what it's for. It's showing you your sinfulness, showing you un your unworthiness, shows you how much you need Christ, how much you need His grace. All right, so summing up works, there's two extremes. Stay away from both extremes. Right? Don't fall off either end. Uh, don't use works to establish your relationship with God. But don't pretend like God doesn't care what you do or how you live your life either. Both of those are wrong. They're both extremes in the opposite direction. Uh, if God can save you, He can change you. He's not just going to leave you how you are. 
He can transform you, He can renew you, and He can turn you into a disciple of Christ that He can use for His kingdom. Now, God has offered us His grace. All we have to do to be saved is accept what He's offered to us. I'd say, I mean, there's probably not anybody in here that doesn't know the Lord. Uh, but if you don't, you've heard it today. You, you've heard it the best that I can give it to you. Christ has died for your sins. He's been raised on the third day. If you believe in Him, you'll have eternal life. You'll know Him forever. If you're a believer and you're backslidden, you're not happy with where you are, God's forgiveness is for you too. Uh, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you. That's 1 John 1, eight. If you're a believer and you feel pretty good about where you're at, you think you're pretty secure, uh, I just ask you just take the advice of Paul and, and check and say, I'm going to examine myself whether I be in the faith. Uh, there's nothing bad that can come from that. It would be a lot better to find out now than later. Do you know the Savior? Do you see the Holy Spirit working in your life? Uh, if you don't, I'll always be here. Josh is here. Uh, we'd be happy to talk to you. Guys, I thank you for the opportunity to come and talk to you guys today. I hope you took something away from it. Uh, before we go, uh, I said we were going to have an opportunity. Does anybody have any questions, comments, discussion? Anything along those lines they'd like to say before we pray out? Go ahead, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I agree. Should be focused on other people, shouldn't it? Do we have anything else? No questions, nothing? All right. Josh, will you pray us out?